to Bible and Pop Culture's podcast. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Mia Burt, curator for Bible and Pop Culture magazine. For years, I taught Bible and Pop in the classroom and had a blast and learned as much as I taught. But now we're taking it to the streets for honest exploration of authentic Christianity through pop culture. Thanks for joining us for part two of Bible and Pop Culture's Exploration of the Enneagram. In this segment, we dive deeper into what living into the Enneagram means and how it applies to our relationships, our faith, and interacting with God as our best selves. Let's jump in. Let's talk a little bit about God, ourselves, and others. Where do we see God in the Enneagram? I see God in the amazing creativity, the creator that he is, creating everybody so very different. And like I mentioned before, how each of our types will complement the other one. And if we were all created the exact same way, with the same type, some of us would not be necessary. And I, I love the way that we build on each other and we complement each other. I imagine just for a moment, you being a one, Mia, and me being married to you and me being a one, and how we would drive each other nuts because we would both be perfectionists and neither one of us would be easygoing or it, it would be really, really difficult to live together. But with our personality types, whether they are, I, I think we absolutely complement each other. And I, I definitely see God using what I've learned in this to try to stay on the healthy side. I don't know if we're going to go into talking about the levels of development in the Enneagram, but I see where I used to be down in the unhealthy levels because of what I went through as a child or some of the, the baggage that I brought even into my marriage. But now looking years later, how I've grown and looking at those healthy levels. And it's something that I could not have done alone. I believe that God is kind of moving me in that direction. And I, I just love to be able to interact with different types and different people and, and to see that we're all on our journey in thinking about where I see God in the Enneagram. It's an opportunity to gain an understanding of how I was meant to be, how that it wasn't a mistake that I'm triggered by certain things or that I uh, lean towards certain emotions or I enjoy specific interactions like with people. And to have a space that brings awareness to that, I think is like you said, they get really healthy and it helps us walk into the identity that Christ has given us and to understand that there's such a humanity to him and to who we are and to how we can relate to Christ in his fullness and how we get to relate to other people because God made them also unique and as a picture of how God decided and created things to be in order and that doesn't mean that everything looks exactly the same. I think what's also interesting is I believe in a conversation Marissa and I had was it wasn't a total definitive of this is who you are as a 
whatever your number is. This is the box you fit in. It's more a learning about who you are, but the goal isn't to be the best one you can be. The goal is to be a well-rounded person with a little bit of everything. And it's about understanding that. So I thought that it was super interesting if you think about God and when we come into the fullness of who we are on the other side, what is that going to mean? Does that mean that we are the fullness of all of these numbers and we move in and out or are we just the best of whatever he made us to be? So I don't know. I just think about things like that all the time. What does that mean to have the mind of Christ to become the fullness of who he meant for us? Every type has a virtue and a sin attached to them, which is the virtue to aspire to or the sin that they struggle with most. Also, each type has a part of God in them. And when you see the full circle, it's God inhabits each number, each type. And when you have all of them together is the whole of God. I mean, that not the whole of God, but, you know, all, all the parts of God come together when his people are together. And I thought that was really interesting and helpful in understanding how we can use Enneagram to lead us to Christ. There's a lot of people that think the Enneagram is like witchcraft or something, and I'm just like, it's a tool for knowing God and knowing yourself and loving others. We're taking the devil's tools, I guess. Um, but type one would be the perfection of God. The two would be the help or the love of God. The three would be the will of God. Uh, the four is the creativity of God. The five is the knowledge of God. The six is the courage of God. Seven is the joy of God. The eight is the strength of God. And nine is the peace of God. And those are ways that... God has built his image and his Imago Dei in each of us. The best parts of ourselves and, and our number can be seen as one of God's attributes, which is really beautiful. Let's talk about what's the ultimate point of the Enneagram. What is the point of knowing about yourself and knowing about other people? Well, I think one of the main things is you have to kind of know who you are and know what motivates you to be able to love people, other people well, because if you don't love yourself and don't know yourself, then how can you go out of your own experience and see where other people are at and how they think and like what motivates them as well to be able to speak into them? I think another piece of that is connecting. You can't really truly connect with someone or something if you don't understand it. And even when you don't understand it fully, it's like you, you look for that one piece of connection point. I remember when I worked at the college, I'd have certain students come in and I'm like, I totally don't get, but it's like the more we talked and we attempted to connect, we would find that one point of connection. And that would be the one thing we could at least talk over or laugh over or cry over. Um, together. And I, so I think for me, the Enneagram, knowing the different numbers really helps me at least grab onto something with certain people that I don't have a connection point with. It allows me to at least attempt to understand and have empathy and communicate with them. Just because I think, you know, every human being deserves that. They deserve to be empathized with and cared for and, you know, I always go back to that scripture, you know, how will they know us? They'll know us by our love. 
And it's like, if we're not attempting to connect or see where are the similarities, at least I, I'm not showing that. For me, this year has really taught me a lot about myself, but it's also taught me that the way that I treat others and the way that I love others and the way that I encourage others or sympathize with what they're going through can make all the difference in the world, just reaching out and touching base with people. And I think even with all the craziness and the social distancing, and I, God wants us to stay connected. He doesn't want us isolated. And the world seems to be going into this isolation mode, and we, we're not good at that because we were created in God's image, and he wants us to be connected. So I think the things that I've learned is continue to strive to reach out to others, know that people are going through things that I, I don't understand and I can't imagine, and love them anyway, and to try in the best of my ability and what I know how to show forth the love of Christ. I, I think that's the best way that I can grow into who I am as a person and who God created me to be. And Marissa, one of the last things I think would be great to close with is you talking about the self-awareness of the Christian, your true self versus your easiest self. So Ian Cron is a great, amazing academic in the field of Enneagram, and he has this great quote about why the Enneagram is important. It's something like, we all have a shadow self. And when we don't recognize what that is, we are giving it complete autonomy to wreak havoc in our lives. So a big part of the Enneagram is self-understanding and understanding where you go wrong and why you do things that harm you. Uh, because we, we, all, we all do things consciously and subconsciously that really are detrimental to our lives. And even if we recognize it, we will still do it because we don't know any other way or we don't recognize that we're doing it. And uh, that's a really big part of the easiest self, I think. We, or we've talked about what our true self is versus our easiest self or shadow self. Our true self, I believe, is the self that we were made to be the best of the gifts and the talents and the passions that we have been created with, when we invest into those things and we become the best version of ourselves in that way, that is our truest self is when we do the work. And our easiest self is when we just don't <laughs> because it's so much easier to just fall asleep to the things we do that hurt people or hurt ourselves and to just let our instincts kick in and just live life purely on instinct and so many people do that when we're self-aware we can look at that and be like how do you keep doing the same thing over and over but in our sleeping consciousness we can do the same thing over and over and never know never know what we're doing to ourselves and always ask what's wrong like why isn't my life together and just never know that we are sabotaging ourselves when we're talking about the true self and the easiest self there are amazing resources online and they're linked 
on the article to growth steps. And it just goes through different ways that you can navigate through yourself and decide what are the ways that I want to grow out of my natural instincts. Because our, our instincts are there for a reason. They're there to keep us afloat. And like I mentioned earlier, in our childhood, we learned how to live in, in this world, how to survive in this world. And if we never grew from that person, we could probably live. If we just went purely on instinct, we could, we could get through life. We would be alive. And our instincts would save us. It would preserve our lives. But what is the quality of that life? What is the quality of a life that isn't lived to its best potential? And that's the work we do with the Enneagram when we understand what we need to do to grow out of our survival instincts to not just to survive, but to thrive, to grow and to help other people to grow with us. And I think as Christians and as human beings, that is our ultimate goal in life to leave the world a better place, to not just be the best person we can be, but to help other people be the best that they can be. We can only do that through self-awareness and through conscientious love of others. Before I ask Marissa to do the blessings of the numbers to close, does anybody else have any observations, any things that, to wrap up or to pull it all together? One of the pop culture characters that encompassed the loyalist personality was Dwight uh, Schrute from The Office. And I feel like it's a pretty accurate depiction of a loyalist because he's so fiercely loyal that he tried to drive to the hospital to help Michael with his burned foot and got a concussion and then was still worried about Michael while he was getting his CAT scan. <laughs> and I don't know, I feel like loyalists care more about other people than ourselves sometimes. And I think that obviously is a detriment to ourselves, but also it means that we're very vested in our relationships. And I think that helps when trying to reach out to somebody that they feel connected to you and you feel connected to them as well. Even if you don't really know that person as well as even relationships where I don't know somebody that well, I still feel connected to them because I have like loyalty to them, even though I don't know them that well. One of the things um, I noticed about you is you will always go to the one person in the room that's not being talked to as a loyalist. Yeah. I think you just it, na naturally seek out the person to include them. I'm very security motivated. So I feel like I want to feel secure and being like accepted and part of the group. But I also want to make sure that everybody else feels that way as well. And I think that really helps in loving other people and being able to accept other people as wanting them to be, to feel a part of whatever is going on. How have you dealt with like the feelings of anxiety and feeling like you need to be in a group or in some sort of structured group to feel safe? For me anyway, I just kind of tend to focus on the project itself and what part I know how to do and I can pick out somebody like what part I think they would be good at. And I think like focusing on the project itself and getting that task accomplished kind of helps me get over the anxiety of, oh, well, is this going to work? Or how is that person going to interact with that person? You know, it just kind of being task oriented, I think helps that. But yeah, I think that and then being focused on the inclusion of everybody and making sure everybody feels like they're a part of it kind of helps too, because then I'm like getting outside of my own. Will they accept me? Will they think that I'm good enough at this? Or yeah.
not having to worry about my own like imperfection or like my own struggle will my end product be what they want sabbath i know that you by nature aren't a three as much but could you talk about the positive sides of threes because i know it's easy for other people to dog the negatives of threes so my understanding which is is so very limited but threes have a drive to kind of get things done and there's a like dream within them that they will just hold on to. So I heard the example of Martin Luther King as being a three, had this dream that he held on to so deeply and he was driven and enough to see kind of it through to as as much as he could. So I think when I've heard about threes being described, like have ability to like set a goal and achieve it. And that's kind of how a lot of things that people might not think are capable, we kind of don't see it as impossible. And we can just keep going until it becomes a reality. Um, Martin Luther King, he was an eight. Oh, okay. I've seen him as a one as well. <laughs> Maybe he's whoever's preaching wants him. I mean, no, who can really know, right? It's interesting, though, because the actions of people can look so similar when three is because the inner motivation of a three is to be seen as successful. And I think his motivation was closer to either a one or an eight, whether it was to, like, change the world into his version of better or to adhere to, like, a higher moral ground. It's super interesting how we can have so many... And that's why it's like, we can't really type anyone because even if our actions are the same, our motivations could be completely different. Years ago, I remember the four basic personality types, the sanguine, the choleric, melancholy, and the phlegmatic. And I just remember that I was sanguine, optimistic I lose stuff all the time you know I, I, I learned that really quickly that that's kind of where I fit in and I made friends with everybody no matter where I was but how is the Enneagram different than the basic personality types because I, I can see a lot of similarities but this is definitely more specific I haven't done any research into that but I will say that the way that the types are grouped is by triads so the same three numbers are in different types of triads where there's the heart triad the gut triad and the head triad their primary source of information is from one of those three then we also have um, emotional triads where there's um anger shame and guilt triads uh, it sound, kind of sounds like those things would be connected, where those four personalities are sort of triads in a way. So if you wanted to even more generalize uh, types, you could just look into instincts and triads. It's really interesting to see completely different numbers. You realize how they're like really similar in, in the triads. Eights, nines, and ones are all in the anger triad, which sounds so weird because you would think the nine is in the anger triad, but really a lot of the emotional baggage of the nine comes from a deep anger that they are not recognized. And then the one's anger is that things are not 
the way they should be. And the eight's anger is like, things are not the way they want it to be. It's, it's interesting to like see how they all like kind of fit together in that way. It would be very interesting to see because I've heard all of the different viewpoints on, are we a product of our environment? Are these uh, traits learned? Or were we born or created with this personality type? And I, I think it's kind of a, a healthy medium right between those two. I think they're both. And uh, it, it'd be interesting to do some more research into that to see how much of it we were born with or a product of our environment. And there's definitely a lot of that, which is why you'll find a lot of women are twos, a lot of men are threes and eights. Uh, a lot of women are, are nines and it's it's definitely like a product of the environment in that way where you learn how to survive as a woman in the house you're born in a lot of times that means you either become invisible or by being everything that everyone else is or you become invisible by serving and loving it's de it would definitely be an interesting study to to see how environment affects type, personality, et cetera. Yeah, I wish we could think about like it from a kind of a non-Western culture perspective because I bet they would have a lot to offer. Such a different way of experiencing life. Okay, so one mm -hmm. last call for anything else anybody wants to add in. When we were talking earlier about how all of the different types complement one another, it's, it's interesting that 1 Corinthians 12, it specifically talks about the body of Christ. There are, there's one body, but very many parts, and each one has a role to play. What would we all be if we all were the head and we didn't have any feet? We wouldn't be able to go out and do the things, or we didn't have the hands to actually perform the work, but we knew how to do it. So it, I think it's the same way with all of the different Enneagram types, is we are more complete as a team than we are as an individual and that's that was my main point with sharing that first corinthians 12 i think it's 12 through 27 we're talking about one body with many parts if anybody is listening from a, a non-western culture we would love 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 to hear their thoughts okay marissa do you want to end tonight with how you ended your article the blessing of the numbers this is something I, I wrote for healing messages for each type. And I, I hope it, it blesses you tonight as we leave. For perfectionists, there is grace for your failures. A grace that requires nothing from you. You aren't responsible for fixing the world, but your presence and your contribution make all the difference. And for helpers, you are loved, not for what you can do, but for who you are. You are not defined by your contribution to your family or your community. You are enough as you are. Sit and let your heart be heard. For the achievers, it's okay to stop. It's okay to pause and to rest, to be seen. You're wanted not for your performance, but for your truest self. You are capable of being authentic, presence. You are capable of being authentic, present, and sincerely loved. For romantics, you are not an outcast. You are not a stranger. You are not alone. 
you can be understood and that is okay. You can be both broken and healthy. You are seen, you are known, and you are not found lacking. For my observers, there is more. There's abundance. Energy will return, resources will replenish. Lean a little bit into what is not known and what cannot be quantified. Because knowledge will pass away, language will pass away, but love is of unending return. For our loyalists, it's okay to be afraid, but don't let it consume you. You are not as alone as you think you are, and reality is not always what you believe it is. The truth is that your needs will be met. You are safe, and you are more than your fear. For the enthusiast, it is okay to confront your darkness every so often. The light within is indefatigable, and pain is not final. Your freedom is not compromised by dependency, and you will not miss out on what is meant for you. For the challenger's true strength is only found in vulnerability and giving up some aspects of control. Surrendering control is different than losing it, and innocence is not beyond your reach. For the peacemakers, you make a difference. Your presence is not optional. Your perspective is needed, and your contribution to your world is a gift. For us all, let us remember where we have been and appreciate just how far we have come. Still, our journey is not done. In the tension of growth between surrender and attack, I hope we have the courage to simply show up with hope in hand and love in mind. Thank you all for being here tonight. I thank you for your time and your energy and what you bring, not just to Bible and pop culture, but you bring to the world. Thank you for everything, Marissa. I appreciate your article. It was amazing. It still is amazing and it's still available on BibleandPopCulture.com. So check it out. The link's here provided below. spending time with us exploring the Enneagram. We hope as we made new discoveries about ourselves, you did as well. Here at Bible and Pop Culture, we look for interesting ideas to engage the culture with honest, authentic conversation to learn more about ourselves, each other, and God. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel or find us at BibleandPopCulture.com to hear more about the Enneagram or other topics. Bible and Pop Culture is a crowdfunded and a nonprofit organization so that we can freely provide our content to start great conversations. You can help us do this by checking out BibleandPopCulture.com's donate button with a one-time gift or support us monthly. Thank you so much for your support and we'll see you next conversation.